Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Welcome, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show. We are here recording during the college football playoff, but uh, playoff championship. We appreciate everyone who's following us on the underscore barn burner, watching us on Periscope. Uh, send us some comments. We'll interact with you the best we can. Um, you can find us on the Barn Burner Podcast Network. That's where you can subscribe to our podcast and also the barnburner.com. I'm Zach. You can find me on Twitter at BarnburnerBro. We got Mason over here in uh, California. How are you What's doing? What's happening? Hey, man. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this has been the most fun regular season stretch of Grizzlies basketball ever. Wow. Since to Memphis. That's big. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it's going to be a big show, man. What's up, Sam? Hey, man. Just uh Enjoying my uh, my Monday night watching the college football playoffs. Saw the Oscar nominations drop today. And my beloved Uncut Gems was snubbed from the Oscars because Zach saw it. And yep, we yeah, got, yeah, we got this theory. I don't ever see uh, Oscar flicks. My but. boy, the Sandman is is has a good heart about it though. He realizes that it's because he makes ten other shitty Netflix movies that the Academy just doesn't respect him as an actor. But uh, he, he rest assured that movie will exist in my mind and heart forever. So shout out to Uncut Gems. Shout out to the Safety Brothers for. For making a movie tailored towards me, but I'm ready to talk Grizzlies, man. Yeah, on the docket tonight, uh, we're going to talk. Last week, Grizzlies went undefeated, pretty awesome. A couple news and notes: where the Grizzlies are rising in the NBA power rankings. Our new segment that we've enjoyed over the past few weeks called Twitter Corner, and then all, we're going to round it up with our Grizzlies midseason awards. As we are uh, right at the 40 game mark, so pretty close to midseason. Uh, instead of like all NBA, we just wanted to hone in on the Grizzlies players and kind of give our uh, give our analysis and awards to those very deserving young men who have given us oh so much joy this season. Thank you very much, guys. All right, are they are they veterans? Mm, I don't. Some people have only played like twenty or forty games. So no, I mean like war veterans. Did the Grizzlies fight in World service? War Three? Yeah. Some of them could, I think. I don't yeah. actually know the draft laws or like the range, but they're I all getting drafted, man. They're all right in that range. It's eighteen to twenty-six. Valanciunas is fighting for Lithuania, though. We don't know how what they how they feel about this. We don't know if they align with Iran or whatever. We never know. Climbing could be sending their ass out into the draft or some <laughs> trade deadline, yeah. <laughs> shipping people out. So hey, I'm down to so. send Iggy to the fucking front lines. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we do have a comment. We got Grizz God has chimed in and asked, "Did the righteous gemstones get nominated for best picture?" 
No, Man. unfortunately not. Yeah, good show though. Like I, I dig that. Um, the uh, I don't know if they got any Emmy nominations or uh, or uh, uh, Golden Globes, which is the television kind of piece of the award season. Uh, but it was funny. It's classic Danny McBride. I really enjoyed that show. Mama told me not to. I did anyway. <laughs> that song is great, man. Bryce and Jim Stones. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out to that. All right. So the Grizz started, started the there week we off uh, at home against the Timberwolves. Zach's about to fucking blow a gasket over there if we don't get into the show. Uh, Zach wanted to wait till 1030, but we were like, we got to get going. <laughs> I, I got to go to bed. Yeah. Right. I ain't lying. <laughs> <laughs> So, Minnesota comes to town, pretty hapless team, no Carl Anthony Towns. Andrew Wiggins has kind of fallen back to Andrew Wiggins' level of play where you don't really notice that he's on the court. Uh, in this game, we had three guys score 20. Jai, led the, or Jai had 25 and 7, but Dylan Brooks led the way with 28 points. Jaron had 21 and 7 and three blocks. But uh, what was impressive from Jaron in this game was he was one for seven from three going into the fourth quarter. And then he just hits three threes in the fourth quarter to, uh, cause we were trailing by eight going into the fourth, came back, won the game, 119, 112. Um, big second half performance. And this was a game when Ja and Jaron really started running the pick and roll late. Like they would run it. And if it didn't work, they would run it again until they found something that they liked. Uh, ja had, 10 in the fourth quarter, that was the eighth time this year that he's uh, scored 10 or more in the fourth quarter, which as a rookie is pretty insane. Uh, Like, I mean, I feel like there's decades when we didn't have someone score 10 in the fourth quarter, you know, whether it was Mike, Mark, or Zebo. And Josh, he's just a different breed, man. Jay Crowder had five steals that game uh, in the third quarter to really get, get us going. We were down 14 early on, but came back to win. Uh, we shot 29% from three, so one of our rough shooting games as of late, and we had just 22 assists as a team, but we got the dub. Jared Culver looks pretty good for the Timberwolves, but, uh, you know, our young guns shine brighter. Dylan Brooks had the shades on in the locker room afterwards after he had 28. Uh, it's become a trend in the Grizzlies locker room, and as Zach noted on Twitter, it's because the young stars are so bright hey. that they have to wear shades in the locker room. <laughs> All right, next up, we play the Spurs. Who's taking that one? Yeah, so so we enter this game, and the winner of this matchup is is standing to take the eight seed in the playoffs. So big game here at home in the Grind House, uh, if we still call it that, the the Grizz Next Gen House or whatever. Uh, and Zach and I, we, we, uh, we go to the game, we move up our seats, like three rows, but it felt better. We it's watched a big game, big game. Big, I mean, we, 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 uh, pulled out all the stops. Uh, we moved three rows in front and Marcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. Let me start with the Spurs. So they got their two elderly stars. I say elderly because I feel like they've been in the league forever. And in fact, you know, have at least a decade, um, DeRozan looked like every bit the all-star that we knew him to be in the Raptors. He was getting into the lane at will, um, you know, pulling this patented jumper, 17-foot elbow jumper, getting to the rim, a lot of phantom foul calls. Uh, the, the officiating was, was a little suspect. You know, it usually is in Grizzland, but uh, this game, DeRozan was the benefactor of a few phantom foul calls. And it, honestly, like, it looked like we couldn't stop the, the Spurs. They were getting everything they wanted to. Also, hilariously, uh, Lamarcus Aldridge shoots three now, threes now, and and I saw a tweet that said I think it was part of Lowe's ten things I like and don't like. He said 
it's as if LaMarcus Aldridge, someone finally said, hey, man, you, you know, behind this line here, you get one extra point <laughs> because he's been shooting jumpers for, like, the entirety of his career. But he, he like, he's now shooting. He looks great, man. Like, that shit oh, went yeah. in. He, he was, like, three of five from three uh, or something, you know, pretty close to that, maybe three of six. But he, he hit three initially. Uh, what you laughing at, Zach? What you got? <laughs> oh, uh, the hunter to throw Sam off. <laughs> yeah, man. Look, I made a bet with a guy named Hunter Williams on the the Wizards <laughs> versus the Grizzlies straight up. Uh, so far, I'm losing that bet. But let me tell you this: I haven't lost that bet yet. There's still half the season left to be played. Uh, it's straight up hundred dollars. And you know, if I lose, I'm going to be a man. I'm going to pay you up. Uh, actually, I'm going to pay you a hundred dollars worth of UB's gift cards. So you have to eat uh, UB's burgers and tots. Uh, you can't even eat salads because I'm going to make you eat the shitty shit. So you're welcome. Um, Spurs. Grizzlies. Looked really good. After the game, uh, Jenkins said, Taylor Jenkins, our coach, actually said what I thought would be a kind of an intelligent uh, soundbite in the midst of something that might sound dumb, and that was that you know, we beat a good team. We beat a good team playing good basketball, uh, and we had 39 assists in the game. We were moving the ball extremely well. And something I've started to notice the way we played, you know, kind of this recent stretch, this post John Morant back injury stretch is that we are sharing the ball at a, at a, what I call Spurs slash Warriors rate. Um, it, it, the ball is, is zipping side to side. No one's taking the first shot. Uh, and all these guys are playing really unselfish basketball. And you can tell that the chemistry of the team and sort of the mood around the team when you're at the game, you can kind of check them out on the bench, you know, when you're not watching the, the, play they're just having fun and they really like each other uh there's a lot of chemistry on this team and and everyone's having fun watching each other succeed which is, is really good uh dylan brooks another another 20 plus point game continuing that trend and uh, the grizzlies took home a, a win over a, a veteran spurs team which i would hate to be a spurs fan now man because like that they're two old guys are they're the same record as us and they just don't seem to have a good trajectory going forward anything else you guys noticed from the uh the spurs game that, that i didn't point out i kind of talked big picture eye tests Bryn Forbes, also want to point that guy out. Michigan State, he was the classic, you know, Spurs role player of the week uh, where, you know, they, they have another guy come in that I have to look in the program to figure out who the fuck he is. And he, like, inevitably lights us up and, just, like, he acts like he's Steph Curry for one game. Um, surprisingly, it was not Patty Mills this game. So that's that's improvement. Thankfully. Thankfully. Uh, another note was Jaron Todd, Mike Miller's, uh, Mike Miller's second place record on – consecutive games with the three made in, against the Spurs, and that was 27 straight. So a second-year guy already tying Mike Miller, who was like one of the best shooters ever, it, even though the game has changed since Mike Miller played 20 years ago. Still a great stat. Ja had 12 in the fourth. The Spurs, like, closed that game in late, and I think we mm-hmm. held a two-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's and right. ended up ended up winning by 13. Um, so even, you know, Doing that against a team with that's more veteran than us and has two all stars is just it's just impressive, man. For what we have on the court, you know, 20, 20, 21, 23 year olds, like a bunch of young guys to pull away from this first team who had been playing pretty well. They beat Boston, uh, they beat a couple other good teams this week, Milwaukee, I think, and then they came in and lost to us. Um, so just a, a great win all around. And with that eight seed on the line, like it, it had something extra to it. You, you could tell our guys are trying to downplay this whole playoffs talk, but you knew it meant something more to them. So it was just a fun Friday night win. It yes, was. Especially after they came in and lit us up for like the most ridiculous offensive performance ever last time they were in town. Uh, and I think, so you asked about, uh, you know, more analysis. It looked like, so Jaron went out with five fouls, 
couple minutes into the fourth, and Jenkins didn't put him back in. Grayson Allen actually finished the game uh, in Jaron's spot, or you know, with Jaron on the bench. But the things were rolling, and there wasn't like a need to put him back in. And Jenkins just rolled with the five guys that were out there. So I just went with the gut, and he he seemed to do that a lot this season. He doesn't have a set group of guys that he's finishing out games with. It's just really whoever's playing that day. Yeah, and something else notable stat-wise is that if you believe in plus-minus, there's something to it for sure. The the five starters, uh, only one of which in that game was actually a minus. Can anyone guess who that was? Ja. No. Ja Morant Jay. led the team with a plus-21 in the Spurs game, which is actually pretty fucking insane. Jay Crowder is the right answer. He was a minus-10. Uh, Dylan Brooks yeah. a plus 10 Jonas was a plus 11 and Jaron Jackson was a plus three while actually accumulating that many fouls and not even playing in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah. But Jay, Jay had a, a pretty, a pretty um, uncharacteristic game. I want to call it, uh, you know, only hitting a two of his five meager field goals and, and I guess not uh, impacting the game as much on the defensive end. And in fact, uh, he was only one of two players in the entire roster that was a negative. Tyus Jones was the other. Every single bench player from Solomon Hill to Brandon Clark to Grayson Allen was a plus, a significant plus. So this is what this team can do when they, they play to their potential. But I think this game was sort of what you can see as the ce- – I think the ceiling this year is playing a game like that. Now, granted, if they play like that, they're going to beat everybody in the league. Um, yeah. So they, they can. They're capable of beating everyone in the league. You know, they play within themselves. It wasn't like someone shot uncharacteristically – you know, there wasn't some like crazy Tyus Jones thirty point game or anything. It was a pretty characteristic game for these players. Just everyone was on. Yeah, and two things on that before Zach goes into the Warriors. Jaron's fouls, like I remember at halftime, I was like, "Oh, Jaron has like zero or yeah. one foul," and then like he got them all in a stretch of that third quarter, and he just really seemed to get flustered as he as those fouls accumulated. So I think that has something to do with Jenkins. Uh, not going back to him. And Grayson's playing well, man. Shout out to Grayson. I know we gave him a lot of shit when we traded for him, since we've had him, you know, maybe up to this point. <laughs> but And we still will. But uh, he's been, you know, knocking down shots. He's shooting over 40% from three. So I- I'm pleased with that. And then uh, on the – damn, go ahead and go into the Warriors. <laughs> no, you're good. All right, so Warriors game. <laughs> D'Angelo Russell was the tough man to stop. Uh, Dylan Brooks got a lot of time on him, but regardless, uh, Russell led the the all. What am I trying to say? All players, almost thirty five minutes, thirty four points. Uh, Grizzlies were hanging in there. Golden State was hanging in there through halftime, but third quarter, complete reversal of how Memphis has played previous in the season. Opened it up, uh, outscored Golden State by. 18 in the third quarter. It's too late for me. My brain stops working too much. Uh, the the big, I think one of the biggest stories, pun intended, for this game was Valanciunas was just a complete monster. He had 31 points, one short of his career high, 19 rebounds. Uh, he did mess up some of Morant's assists. Morant was trying to get to double-double. He had 11 points and 10 assists, but it took him a while to get that 10th assist because Jonas missed a couple shots on him or missed some passes, so you, they were joking around a little bit. But Valanciunas was 13-17 from the field, so hyper-efficient. Hit a three, four or five from the line. He just tore it up. Uh, Morant, like I said, another double-double. Brandon Clark, not even 20 minutes, nine points, 11 rebounds. <laughs> like, just so, so many fun things happened in this game, including, uh, I think it was a big... D'Anthony Melton game. 
he he was yeah. kind of he played under twenty minutes, but he had he contributed in a ton of ways. Ten points, three rebounds, five assists, and two blocks. Oh, a big block at the rim too. Mm-hmm. A big block that ended up in a Jaron transition three on the other end. So yeah, that, that was a really big play in the game. Uh, Taylor Jenkins was able to spread the minutes out a bunch. A lot of guys mm-hmm. were able to impact. We didn't shoot particularly well from three, only 31% on 35 attempts. Uh, but Dylan had a pretty rough night. He was three of 11 from the field. But other guys like Tyus Jones and, like you said, Grayson, he was three of three from deep, kind of picked, picked up some that's, of that. That's slack. efficient. <laughs> that is efficient, yeah. And, that, and like you mentioned, gave him some props earlier. He's also making some smart decisions. The other day, he wasn't hitting, and he stopped trying to force it. So he he realized that that wasn't his day. He was a little cold. So he was making the smart pass, driving and kicking a little bit more than we've seen. So I feel like maybe he's realizing that he doesn't have to do everything himself. He can rely on some of the other guys on the team. Because uh, he, he's no way near our first option. But if he realizes what we need him to do, play tough defense, you know, push the ball in transition and hit threes, then I think we can find a, a spot for some minutes for him for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely more to his game than I thought he had. Um, and people try to tell us that, you know, that he was more than a shooter. He could do more. He he's a, plays really well in transition. Um, he knows where to be on the court. And his defense, although he's, you know, not the biggest player, his defense isn't bad. Um, but just the bench in this game, like, like you said, everyone contributed. Tyus, Melton, and Grayson all scored more than 10. You mentioned Brandon Clark having 9 and 11 and, like, barely even playing. And then uh, Tyus and Kyle both had four steals. So, like, the that production off your bench right there, teams would kill to have that type of production. And it really came in a game when we needed the bench to lift us up. Mm-hmm. The starters have – I mean, not that the bench has been bad, but the starters, you know, they just had that big game versus Spurs. They're riding a lot of momentum. Uh Winning five games in a row is not easy, no matter who you play. Yeah, um, no, not and, at all. And for us to reach this point uh, this year, like I, I did not think that this team would be able to string together five complete games, uh, much less like 18, like how we've led like 16 of the last 18 games or something like that. And like in a lot of those, we've had a double-digit lead. Um, so just this team has been super impressive, man. Uh, in this game, Jaron passed Mike Miller's record for consecutive passed Mike Miller for second all time in the Grizzlies record books for consecutive games with the three made. Tyreek Evans randomly hit thirty one yeah. in a row, <laughs> like three and thirty one games that year. He was here with us. And that yeah, that I, seems. I don't remember I don't, that. It doesn't feel like that happened. Yeah, and we couldn't and, get a uh, second round pick for him. <laughs> didn't, yeah. even trade him. Yeah. <laughs> didn't even trade him. Didn't even trade him. Send him to Iguodala Island or something. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's a good transition into how people have been talking about this upcoming trade deadline on Twitter. So that brings us to Twitter Corner, I think, Zach. <laughs> All right. Uh, there have been some, some Grizzlies personalities on Twitter. We won't mention any names, but they've been going at it for about four or five days now in regards to if the Grizzlies should make the playoffs, if that is beneficial for this team at this stage, if the Grizzlies are going to be 
uh, buyers at the deadline or sellers and just everyone giving these different definitions of buyers and sellers uh, going into the deadline. It's like, like semantic city. Yeah. Well, buying a young player counts, but I think of buyers as win now. It's all in the eye of the beholder. I don't think anyone's right or anyone's wrong in this discussion. But Zach, how are you feeling as the Grizzlies now sit in the eighth seed? We're less than a month away, about three weeks away from the trade deadline, actually. So some move, you would expect to see some moves start to happen. The Grizzlies do have guys like Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill on veteran deals. Of course, Andre Iguodala, who we're holding hostage, if you let most of the league tell it. Um, but actually, we're just paying him a lot of money to Play sit, at, sit at home and whine <laughs> and, like, and make preposterous uh, Twitter claims about how life would be better if he didn't have money, but he won't <laughs> accept a buyout. Like, look <laughs> out of here, Andre. Let's get real. Um, and then we also have guys like Kyle Anderson who maybe aren't playing as much as even a lot of Grizzlies fans would like, um, but he wasn't brought in by the current front office or the current coaching staff so a lot of times around the league you see guys like that moved um so the and you might think his style doesn't fit i think his passing ability makes him fit with any team but anyways yeah, his, Zach, his passing and defensive ability you can find a spot for him i think how are you feeling headed into the trade deadline what are you thinking we should do should we stand pat as is should we trade the farm for uh you know a piece to get us into the seventh seed this year what should we do well, I ain't about that. But. <laughs> Is anybody really about that? Like, no, I don't think there's anyone Someone, in Grizz Twitter, right? Grizz Facebook. Oh, yeah. you might you might find it on Grizz Facebook. <laughs> Whew, the perils. But uh, yeah, no, I think I'm still in the same spot that I've been pretty much all season. Is that we've got certain guys on our roster that will most likely not be on the roster next year, and at this point in the season, we should still be looking to move them. If we if we make the playoffs, that's that's awesome and that's really fun. That's most importantly a great boost for the guys on the court. That means they're learning how to win. They've you know had to fight through some roster changes that will inevitably happen. Uh, they're growing up way faster than we expected. So that's just icing on the cake this year. Because I mean we didn't. I don't think any of us expected us to be in the playoffs and. 538 only has us at an 8% chance to make the playoffs. So I'm right now in the moment, I'm enjoying us being in the race, enjoying all the recognition that the Grizzlies are getting. Even though I'm seeing a ton of tweets from like uh, verified accounts, like Brandon Clark, he's super efficient. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to the party. We've known that for like 35 games. We're like, oh, John Morant, he's the real deal. Thank you very much for that. That analysis, but uh, that's pretty much where I stand on that. Yeah, so I think I view it a little bit differently than you, um, unless I just get an offer that I can't pass up for Jay Crowder or Solomon Hill type. Then I, I which an offer that I can't pass up is like two second rounders. <laughs> like, like, so I'm not talking about a whole lot here, but uh, just if this team continues to win. I think it would be beneficial to keep those veteran guys around this locker room, um, but also understand that we, if we accumulate assets, that is how we are going to get the third star to go next to John Jaron is by trading for it. More than likely, we're not going to sign them outright and free agent, 
sign and trade maybe. Um, and we're not going to have another swing, at least at a high lottery pick, the way things are going right now. So we do need to accumulate those assets and make the trade and make ourselves available to make a trade. Um, so, but man, just this experience the guys are having right now, fighting for a playoff spot now, which I don't think anyone expected them to be doing, even at this point in the season. We played 40 games now, almost halfway through the year. Um, just the, the experience that they're going to get going down the stretch. Um, now they're on a winning streak. How do we maintain this winning streak? How do we continue to work hard? I think having guys like Jay Crowder and Solo and even JV around is just huge. And a shout out to the front office for bringing back Valanciunas. You know, that was a big point of contention mm. last year in the summer. And he's, he's not great. He's not an elite center, but I think he, this year he's been probably a top 10 center and him expanding out to three point range. And he's just like a guy you can throw the ball to and go get buckets. So hopefully, you know, he's not our starting center for the duration of his contract, but Jonas in the six man role is still going to be beneficial to this team. But uh, we got this, we got Sam back now. We had some technical difficulties. So Sam, I want to ask you, we were talking about the, uh, the Twitter back and forth that's been going on on Grizzlies Twitter about uh, is the team going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline? Should they make the playoffs uh, or, or, you know, should they sell the farm to get the seven seed? Uh, where do you kind of stand on what the front office should do heading into the trade deadline? Uh, I, I think that the, the, the front office's uh, kind of mantra, which was the, sustained continued growth and success is what they're you know trying to accomplish uh, and that that involves getting the right young pieces that are going to go with John Jaron and Brandon Clark and this young core that we have uh, while also not sacrificing kind of just that winning mentality which I think they achieved in droves this season I mean you know we're, we're literally winning and like you said the guys are learning what it you know what it takes to win basketball games you know go on winning streaks and the kind of preparation it takes I thought that um what game was it recently where they came out? I think it was a Timberwolves game where they came out flat in the first half after a long road trip. Uh, and then we saw, you know, the team in the second half kind of become a different team and realize that, you know, no matter how good or not good you are, it's the NBA and night and night out, you got to compete. And I, I think that seeing them come out that second half was very, that was almost the most important game to me was to see that even when they come out flat in the first half, they, they still have the juice to win a game. Uh, that's all because of these vets, and that's all because of this playoff push that we have. Uh, so it's really important that John Jaron don't become losers. Like I don't know, like maybe some people think the Suns are, you know, like that they have the talent, uh, they have obviously a wealth of talent over there, but they just never seem to be able to string together consistent wins because maybe they just don't care as much, you know, because they're used to losing. Um, so with that being said, I mean, you listen to the offers and you, you make good trades for assets because that's what's most important, but you're certainly not trying to like purposely unload them for nothing uh, for no reason. You know, like when I say them, I mean, you know, kind of the vets, the Jays and the, the solos mm -hmm. uh, or solos. Um, but no, I'm not, I'm not opposed to trading them and, and certainly any picks and any kind of young, like D'Anthony Melton types, you know, young guys that just aren't seeing any, any run on their team. Uh, that our guys, that our front office has proven to be able to identify. I think that, that that's what we're looking for. Um, like you said, we need we need assets to get that third guy to make a an enticing trade to someone else. Uh, and I don't think it's impossible to to keep doing that with these uh, with these vets that have proven themselves very valuable to like a Lakers or a uh, Clippers or whoever else needs the the extra push uh, as they their season doesn't go as well as they they'd hoped. 
Yeah, definitely in a good spot come trade deadline, deadline time. And I think just the overall confidence in the front office is higher than it's probably ever been. Uh, higher than I remember anyway. I mean, I don't remember the pre-Chris Walt, like kind of the before 2010. Like I don't really don't right. know much about the front office from that era. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Zach, what we got next on Twitter Corner? So today, the at the Hoop Central, uh, big, they provide ton of basketball news analysis Put out a tweet, we kind of referenced this a second ago. The tweet says, quote, The Memphis Grizzlies have quietly put together an impressive young core featuring John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, and DeAnthony Melton, currently sitting at the eighth seed in the Western Conference. So, initial thoughts of seeing that is, what's the difference in quietly putting this core together and loudly putting this core together? Mm. That is a very operative adjective there, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah it's, very, it's very important. I guess it's an adverb because it's describing put. But look, it's only quiet if you were listening. And they weren't. No point, at no point has anyone that's, that's, that's followed basketball, apparently, I mean, not no one, but, you know, these, these sort of general like hoop city pundits, these Twitter accounts that get started, you know, not like, you know, it's, it's like ESPN barn burner, then all these like down here. Right. And it's like, you can't, just because you didn't realize it or didn't pay attention doesn't make it like we're quietly sneaking around behind the scenes and scheming like Russian Soviet spies to put together this, <laughs> this drive. In fact, the majority, everyone except for DeAnthony Milton of the players he references were acquired in the draft with picks, you know, that we either owned outright or traded up to get. Um, so it, including John Morant, Jaron Jackson, who were two, top five lottery picks yeah, which are sorry the, sorry we picked like properly in the top five yeah it's a it's a very interesting way to describe that and, and this isn't the only this is just kind of a comical um kind of dunce of the day tweet that we roasted on today but like i mean i've seen this a lot like people talking about how quiet the grizz have been accumulating this talent and how they've just sneakily done all these things and this and that and i mean i, I don't understand how you could even like what that even means i mean we're building the team just like any other team does i guess we're not making splash free agent trades or signings which may be the loud way to build a, a winning team but i just think it's it's kind of funny and however we can get shine awesome like i mean i i love to see love for the grizzly that's great but it's it's funny to see the way that people sort of tiptoe their way around arguing like they actually ever paid attention it's like the 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 roster, like we didn't know who was going to be on the roster, and then like there was a tarp over them, and then like yeah. they're uncovered, and they're like, ah, look who we got. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly, yeah. <laughs> Even like DeAnthony Milton, he was in in the trade with the number four pick, <laughs> like uh, so it wasn't just not talked about, you know. Like Josh Jackson was definitely talked about when he was traded, um, and then you know I, I'll give him Dylan Brooks, he's a late second rounder, but uh, four year SEC or four year college player. People knew he was going to be good. Yeah, and Brandon Clark was everyone. Yeah, everyone knew about that one. If you're on NBA Twitter, like you saw during the draft, everyone was like, "Oh, can't believe Brandon Clark continues to drop." (laughs) Yeah, and then and then the second we traded up two spots to get him, you know, worried that he wouldn't fall to us. All of this, the pundits were like, oh, what a, what a smart trade by the Grizzlies like to use, manipulate those assets and get the guy they really wanted once they saw him slip far enough to get him. And it's like, I mean, we, we, we've all been here, you know, and I understand we're hyper aware of it, but like at some point it gets kind of comical. It's like, how can you even hold yourself out? Like you at all pay attention to anything if you just now realize that we've been doing this for three years now. Right. 
But anyway, that's just my business. That's Kermit sipping tea. I didn't make my tea. And you know what's great about Brandon Clark? Um, Do y'all remember the last player who, like, fell to us or we, we, like, moved up to get? And everyone was like, oh, that's a great pick. Jordan Adams? No. That's not good, I bet. Deontay Davis is who comes to my mind. Oh, oh yeah, mind. yeah. <laughs> uh, like, oh, what a steal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Playing in South Haven tonight. <laughs> <laughs> is he really? <laughs> Isn't that right, Zach? Uh, yep, him and um, Damn. old Shit. Andy Harrison are teaming up on the G League. And Shout out man. Deontay. Still got a room in Vince's house, I'm sure. <laughs> I used to stand hard for Andrew Harrison, too. I still think he can play. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your, your island? Andy Harrison, yeah, man. That's nah, you did. That's not, that ain't no island. <laughs> <laughs> Almost that's like a, past the Spurs in the playoffs, huh? Yeah. And wh- while we're on the um that G League game that's going I think they're they're playing in South Haven, uh, Bruno and Marco were sent down to play with a hustle and Rosa reported during the game, I haven't checked for an update, but that Bruno had to be helped off the court with what looked like a knee injury. So uh, prayers up for Bruno, man. Don't need you getting hurt. Man. You're going to get oh. your opportunity. Keep working hard, man. At least you got that contract before that happened. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I was telling Zach before man. the show. Like, good how that works. Yeah. He must be a good dude. Yeah. yeah looks like Marco Marco dropped 20, 3-3-3. Three, three, and three. Bruno had 15-5. and five. Uta, 19-10. and 10. Josh, 17-5. and five. And Dusty Hannah's had 21 points. Hustle down there, rolling. Yeah, man. What's uh, their record now? Like, I know they were undefeated for a long time, but I, eh. <laughs> anyone, anyone got, no, no one know that off the top of their heads. Yeah. I couldn't like, say. They could have lost every game since they were undefeated. <laughs> the hustler, <laughs> the hustler, quietly putting together a successful season <laughs> yeah. down there in South Haven. Uh, I got one more thing for Twitter corner. I don't know oh, if y'all yeah. do, but uh, Sam, our very own, he had a tweet early in the week comparing. The current Grizzlies to the Thunder from 2008-2009, which was Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. And Sam, just you don't have to dive back into the numbers, but what kind of stood out to you when you compared those two teams? So, I mean, obviously very, very, very positive returns. You know, we're talking kind of similar teams built through the draft, you know, like a, a, a pick in Kevin Durant and, and his, our equivalent would be Jaron Jackson and then a guard pick the next year, which is Russell Westbrook versus John Moran. So the comparison was this year, Grizzlies team, uh, year two Jaron, rookie year Ja versus year two KD, rookie year Russ. Uh, and that, that, that Russ, uh, that Thunder team only won like 26 games. Um, but, you know, you can start to see the building blocks of what they were going to become with, uh, you know, their offensive numbers were pretty good. They were, you know, were like the very bottom of the league and defense still had some to be worked on. Uh, but all, all of our numbers, except for some of our defensive numbers, were better and more efficient. You know, our offense is quicker. Uh, it's it's faster paced. And obviously the game's changed significantly since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are on pace to win 10 more games. Uh, and it's important to note, too, that next year that the Thunder – uh, existed in year three KD, year two Russ. They added, of course, James Harden, so they added another MVP. So caveat that, we won't do that this year. You know, we, we the Grizzlies will not have, likely, you know, unless something catastrophic happens, a uh, lottery pick to get a kind of James Harden comparison. Um, not that there is one, but uh, they went on to win 50 games the next year. 
Uh, so we saw a huge jump in, in that team, you know, once the, the players matured. Uh, and Scotty Brooks was coaching that team. So it had to have been the players. It sure <laughs> as hell wasn't the coach. And Ibaka was also a crucial part. The point being that we have a lot to look forward to with this team. You know, they're, they're I think, very comparable to that in terms of the way the team's built and kind of the way the guys play. I mean, Russ isn't an exact comparison. Harrington's now kind of shifted to the Chris Paul, like, Chris Paul uh, comp for uh, John with maybe a little bit of Russ's athleticism uh, or John Wall's athleticism and quickness. Um, but, you know, it's it's very, very nice to see that. And, I mean, none of us could have expected this season the way that, that it transpired so far. Yeah, and uh, Harrington uh, had another – he had another comparison, which he wrote about at the Daily Memphis and comparing us to last season's Bucks, which uh, Jenkins, of course, was a part of. Mike Budenholder staff up there and our numbers are like right on par with the books, except we're, we have more assists <laughs> like o- over yeah. this over like since December 6th or whatever. I, I think since Jai came back, that's right. But the teams that we're being compared to in this stretch are like last year's bucks. who was one of the most efficient teams in history. Uh, the golden year, era warriors <laughs> like, 73 win team yeah and not only that but yeah our numbers and of course this is all with the jaw since the jaw return which apparently is now like the the after after death ad date for this season <laughs> but um yeah it's the, all those numbers are better i mean like they're, they're slightly better or we or we have more assists so that's honestly just wild and i know of course we're going to gain system to, to compare numbers that are you know more look better for us but i mean you can't deny when you approach it from that many different angles, you know, you look at a similar team in the similar years, you look at similar offenses, you know, and you, you could even tie the coaches to the, to the types of offensive schemes run. And I mean, you can't deny that there's something to this yeah. and we're watching it too. I mean, we watch every game for the most part, at least one of us has eyes on it and it looks good too. I mean, this isn't like kind of one yeah. of those like, you know, weird gimmicky things where we happen to play guys on second half of back to backs or like whatever, you know, we're beating teams like, consistently we're scoring 110 points consistently uh and and so it's it's something to behold and damn it's a lot of fun to watch i mean you, you ain't seen basketball like this in the grindhouse and maybe ever does it seem weird I, it, I don't know if it was after the warriors win or the spurs that i saw a couple folks point out that we're at this point in the season we're the exact same spot as last year i think that's like kind of a skewed way to because i mean clearly we're trending Upward. I, I mean, I, if you look at it like it's like a, a bell curve, you know, like a or an economics curve, you know, we're like where now we meet where the X like we're on the up last year's season. We started out hot and then started trending down and mm-hmm. injuries started to accumulate. And we quickly realized that we had to you know kind of hit the reset button on this rebuild maybe a little sooner by trading Mike. And um, so that that's I think that's a completely kind of. That tweet a, sort of skews the narrative. Uh, uh, I mean, I understand the point of it, but it it's totally different feeling. and We all know it. Yeah, it's food for thought type thing. Yeah, sure. at, not at, much more. At this point last year, we had just endured endured Gasol's like awful December stretch where like he didn't try to play, <laughs> uh, and so we knew by this point that it was over. Uh, we you could just feel it, and I think they had already made the announcement that they were uh, opening up shop for Mike and Mark. And this year, it's just like. Oh, the possibilities. Dude, how crazy. Dr. Street's book. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, the places you'll go with John Jaron in in tow. There you go. Yeah, appreciate that. You know, uh, hey, Sigep, you know, like, uh, yeah, shout out out Naismith, too. Two relevant guys to this podcast. Uh, So, 
last year, a year ago, we were we had Mike and and Mark on this team, man. And can you like remember that? That's fucking crazy that that happened. Like, and that was a year ago. And then they remember they announced that we were going to trade them, and we were like, "What? That's weird." Like to announce them and then keep them around like ex girlfriends, you know? Mm-hmm. And like that that feels like so long ago. I mean, I when you said that, it felt like we traded Mark like two or three seasons ago, which is maybe a testament to how long this past year was. But you I mean, know, I don't. It feels like Zebo punched Stephen Adams a decade ago, and I learned today listening to Chris Vernon that Stephen Adams is only twenty six. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. No, he's forty. I could have sworn he's at least like thirty two. Anthony Sane would say he's definitely like sixty. Yeah. yeah, he's like, let me see them birth certificates from New Zealand or wherever the fuck he's from. But they're all yeah. those European guys always game in the age system. I mean, Precious Lachua on the Tigers is twenty, like almost twenty one. So yeah, he looks like it too. He, he should man. he should be doing what he's doing. Shout out, Precious. Future lottery pick. Yeah. Uh, any anything else in Twitter corner? Anything that caught you guys' eyes, or do we need to dive into the weekly NBA rankings, Zach? Uh, let's. Yeah, let's go into the rankings. So, the Grizzlies, uh, as we mentioned, have made a surge onto the national scene, and most of uh, most of the pundits from ESPN to NBA.com, to SI, to BR, have the Grizzlies in the 14 and 15 range in the league right now, in the power rankings. So they're in the eighth seed, so that, I don't know the total record, but, I mean, that puts them about in that range, the 16 range, uh, but they've got them a few spots ahead of that. And uh, just another testament to the surge that this team is making and the kind of recognition that they're getting from the rest of the league from the media, kind of checking back in on Memphis after they've been probably zoned out for a couple of years, but realizing that there's a lot of fun stuff happening here. Yeah, so. I mean, it's just fun to like read NBA power rankings again, <laughs> like to have yeah, a reason man. to. You have now, to scroll, like you know, yeah. they start at thirty. You get to scroll a little bit. Yeah, we're not right you there. To <laughs> you get to click. You get to click on page two. Very oh. enjoyable. All right, that was a quick note. So now let's move into our. Grizzlies mid-season awards. We'll Ooh. start at the top. MVP, Sam, who do you have for MVP this year for the Grizzlies so far? Uh, uh, I have uh, I have Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, I, I think that you know he has uh, initially, after a rough start, kind of a rocky beginning with foul-plagued plays and um, kind of not willing to find his place in this, in this Jenkins five-out offense, has become – maybe the greatest shooter in Grizzlies history at age 20 and standing at 6'11". Uh, and, I, I mean, to watch him shoot the ball like he has been doing is both exciting uh, for a on-the-court perspective because it's fun to watch. I mean, it's fun to watch and let that shit fly. But also from a – he's only for 20 fucking years old perspective too. And, I mean, if you look at it, the way I look at, like, our team right now is that our two best players are 20 years old. That means that for the next nine years, we should get better every year. Because the M- NBA prime is twenty eight, twenty nine. So that's is, a little nugget right there. Yeah, well, yeah. How <laughs> to give you a chub? Yeah, yeah. So I, that's how I wake up every morning. It's a, I'm brushing my teeth thinking about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, which is which is a, an extremely exciting prospect. Of course, you know, assuming that we keep the guys and uh, keep them happy and all that. But let's you know, let's assume that we can do that, and we should be getting better every year. And, and Jaron has shown even within a season, he can kind of fix his mistakes. Uh, and grow. So I, I, uh, I respect that. And I, I think, you know, he has kind of been 
one of the linchpins of this this team. Obviously, probably our second leading scorer, um, but still a guy that I think apparently doesn't really affect whether we win or not because him and Ja are so consistently good. But um, again, like the reason that a third guy affects our winning so much is because he consistently has you know seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and is very efficient uh, and is now rebounding the ball better and is it getting called as many fouls for whatever reason? I mean, he's doing the same shit, but for some reason they were just like someone phoned it in and said, Hey, quit calling fouls. He's good enough now or whatever happens, but uh, he's, uh, he's playing well now. Mason, who you got for your MVP? I'm going to go John Morant. Uh, the team is 17 and 17 when he plays. So sitting at a 500 record, um, he's had seven games with 10 or more assists. No other rookie has one. Uh, that, he had, yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> like what? Wow. Uh, he's he's sniffing for that triple double. I think it's gonna come. I think he's gonna get it real soon. He almost had it against the Warriors. He was three rebounds shy. But I think we're gonna see Ja hit that triple double soon. And then he's also had uh, nine games, I believe, where he scored ten or more in the fourth quarter. Uh, just one of the already one of the best fourth quarter scorers in the league. To watch the way he can control a game, even without scoring, like the game he had 14 assists, it looked like he just wanted to go out there and pass for everyone, and that's exactly what he did. And it was just, like, awesome to watch. He was just dominant. Like, the Chris Paul comparison is actually pretty good because he kind of controls the game, makes sure others are getting theirs. And when he when he hits you for an open shot, it's right where you want to catch it whether it's Jaron Jackson, Dylan, anyone. Like, Ja is hitting you, whether he throws it with the right hand, left hand, off the bounce, behind his back. His passing has just been amazing. So uh, I'll go Ja Morant, Sam, who is having more technical difficulties. Uh, You know, great pick with Jaron Jackson. But I'm guessing, Zach, your vote is going to push it over the top here for the Barn Burners, Grizzlies, MVP of the midseason. You would be correct, and it's not because you're the only one left on the live stream, but I'm going to go with John Moran. <laughs> Appreciate you. <laughs> I think he's the biggest roster piece from last year and this year, averaging 17 points a game, 6.9 assists, which is puts him at uh, tied for sixth in the West among guards, and the list goes Rubio, Doncic, Lillard, Harden, Westbrook, Morant. So yeah. pretty pretty elite company. You described his passing beautifully. I think that's the one of the biggest things that he's brought to this team. And he he's uh shooting efficiently, forty eight percent. You covered most of it, but I think Ja is the biggest difference from last team last year's team and this year's team and has been the most important most important guy. He's not scoring 30 on a nightly basis, but he is certainly commanding enough of the defense to create for the rest of his guys and allow for other guys like Grayson, like DB, to get those shots that they probably hadn't had before, like those open shots, you know, giving them a lot better opportunity to succeed. So we'll move from, congratulations, Ja, by the way. Yeah. That's a big, big deal. Got the trophy for you at Barn HQ. Just hit us up. We'll get you, we'll get it to you. A short walk from your downtown office, yep. a.k.a. the Forum. All right, uh, most improved player, who you got? Oh, this is a tough one. I'm, I'm like still struggling with it right now. And I was going to go Jaron, but that's kind of a cop-out. 
Um, but I do think he's he's worthy. Uh, so I'll go Dylan Brooks just because last year he was pretty bad in the couple games we got to see him play. He averaged 11 his rookie year. He's up to 15 now. And just the stat of when he scores 20 or more and we're 11-0, that's huge for this team. His willingness to shoot the ball is something that Taylor Jenkins' offensive style uh, has to have. And, and a rational confidence guy, something that a good team has to have. He fouls a lot, and he does some – Sam earlier said that we don't have anyone who, like, just won't – who will, like, dribble it up and shoot it without passing. Like, Dylan will every now and then. Oh, he won't care. <laughs> and, Jay uh, and Dylan, like, lead the lead that boat for sure. Yeah, so – and, I mean, none of our veterans have really been, you know, a, a lot more improved. So I'm going to go Dylan Brooks. I think he's an important piece to this team moving forward. I don't think he is the answer in the starting lineup necessarily, um, but he could be. But I don't, he's not. He's not my third guy or even my fourth guy. You know, for the franchise in the long term when we're contending for titles. Mm-hmm. But I do think he has an important role on this team. So Dylan Brooks. Yeah, that's who I had too. Okay. Dylan. I, I thought that was really the roster is a lot different than last year. So most improved. Was uh, down to only a few people. I mean, Grayson, if, if, I had if, Grayson up there. Yeah, I guess if you're counting their total time, total service in the league, you could do, you could go with that. But guys like Clark, Tyus Hill, you know Anderson, I wouldn't say necessarily is improved or anything since last year. Melton, Tyus might be the most from. Well, Jaron's the most from start to now, yeah. but Tyus is the like probably under the radar most improvement. Milton, we just didn't get to see him. Mm-hmm. His his numbers are like almost identical to Phoenix, except Phoenix was getting beat by three points every time he was on the court, and we're winning by we're like we're dusting folks when he's on the court. Uh, and then Grayson, what caught my eye was he went from thirty two percent from deep to forty percent from deep. So that that, that changes yeah. changes how you view a shooter, obviously. Yeah, he he just he improved in the area that he most needed to improve in to increase his value and contribution. Yeah. That was awesome. Exactly. Uh, what six, we got next? Sixth man of the year. Brandon Clark. I mean, <laughs> I got to go Brandon Clark. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but just his overall impact on the game, the fact that he can come in and have a quiet night and score nine points and grab 11 rebounds like he did against the Warriors, um, just speaks volumes to where he already is as a player. Um, we, we've talked about him, you know, for several weeks, and everyone who is a Grizzlies fan already knows what he brings to the table. But he, he can change the game with a big dunk or a big block, um, but he doesn't have to have those to be effective. Like he's still going to contribute, whether it's hitting the glass, staying vertical. I love his verticality uh, when someone's driving to the rim and he's contesting a shot. Like I think Jaron is kind of learning from him because Jaron's verticality has seemed to get better. And when I say verticality, I mean when you've got like your arms straight up. So your arms are literally like nine feet high, um, but they're just right. straight up. You're not swiping down. And then you have the vertical that Brandon has. Um, yeah, man. Love me some BC. Who you got? I have D'Anthony Melton Ooh, okay. for six, man. So if you – he's got an 18 PER, so super solid there. He has the best defensive rating on the team at 107. Uh, he he's not have as many minutes as a lot of the guys. He's got about half as many minutes as a lot of the starters. But if you extrapolate to his per thirty six, he literally falls in sixth in scoring, 
Uh, where does he fall in rebounds? Fifth in rebounds. Uh, just kind of a do-it-all Swiss Army knife. We've talked about him a couple times, but uh, certainly he impacts the game when he's in there. And, you know, there's conversations about him being a starter potentially, you know, among the media and pundits. Uh, so that's why I slotted him in there. Man, Clay is so much bigger than 6'2", too. Like, like yeah, he's got those long arms. Yeah. He's got Bruno arms, but, like, on a much shorter body. Yeah, but that's kind of like what he reminds me of. Sam's been making the Avery Bradley comp. I saw someone else make it on Twitter earlier this week. I think that's pretty pretty solid comp. Um, but, yeah, man, shout-out to DeAnthony. I mean, and we gave up Javon Carter for him. <laughs> this dude can actually play in the NBA. Right, and score in the NBA. And he's not a bad shooter. Uh, I think we he's not scared to shoot it, so that's, you know, a big thing for these younger guys. But just a Swiss Army knife. Brevin's been calling him Mr. Do-something. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. What what, exactly. what, what do we got next? The so sixth man of the year, we were split. I went Brandon, you went DeAnthony. Uh, defensive player of the year. Who you got on that one? Whew. Why don't you go first this time? All right. So I have Jaron Jackson Jr. as my defensive player of the year. Despite a lot of his foul troubles and missing a lot of opportunities to contribute, and getting a lot of ticky-tack fouls and really struggling to learn how to play defense, especially in the post uh, at the beginning of the season, getting a lot of cheap hand-check fouls. I think his rim protection has drastically improved over the past month or so. You start to see him a lot on weak side blocks, rotating over. He's not having to guard the center a lot of times, uh, so he's he's floating back into the paint, uh, I so I, I, that's why I went with Jaron. Mostly his rim protection because that's something that Valanciunas is not doing. But yet, you know, we're, we're improving on defense. His block numbers, he's let me get those real quick. He's averaging one point four blocks per game. <coughs> Excuse me. So sipping on tea, sip on water. <laughs> but I uh, I think that impact. He's starting to learn how to use his length. So he's got, he's very tall. And like you mentioned, his arms go up to like 12 feet. And he's, he's learning how to utilize the physical ability that he has. And that's what we need from him also. Because he can play both ends of the floor very well. He's super athletic, very smart. And so that's why I went with him. What you, who do you have? Yeah, I'm going to go Jaron, but I'm going to have a, a first-team all-defense. I'm going to give that to DeAnthony Melton and Brandon Clark. Uh, I like what both of those guys bring to the table defensively. You mentioned Melton's defensive rating, and he's got like a steal percentage of 38%, uh, wow. percent, like getting all kinds of steals. Even when he's not looking, there was like the spidey sense steal that Fast Break Breakfast tweeted uh, during the Warriors game when like he just stuck his arm out and someone passed the ball into it. Um, so Anthony Melton, he's, you know, kind of Tony Allen, like defender, obviously not that elite yet, but you can, he's got the tools to be a very strong defender if he hones in on those, uh, skills and works on them. So yeah, man, uh, overall, not a great defensive team. <laughs> we, we have to say during this award, but, uh, those three guys are all bringing something to the table and showing potential, uh, you know, that maybe at one point we're like, 12th in defense in the league <laughs> and first in offense. I, I think that's a pretty good combination. That'll get you somewhere. Yep. 
All right, so that about wraps it up for what about coach of the year? <laughs> yeah, I had a <laughs> heck of I though. <laughs> One of them. <laughs> yeah, we'll give it to Taylor. We'll give it to yeah, Jake. He, <laughs> yeah, he gets all the credit and all the uh, all the blame too. So yeah, he can take home that one. Yeah. We'll give climbing GM of the year. Yeah, sounds uh, good. What else? <laughs> trainer of the year? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who our trainer is right now. We, they, we need to get on that. That's they do it. Knock on wood. They're doing all right this year. I did see uh, before you close this out. We have three people listed on the injury report for tomorrow's game. I think it was Kyle, Brandon. And there was one other person on there. It was like sore, sore feet, sore thumbs. But we had gotten so used to the injury sheet being clean. And like everyone on Twitter was making jokes about it. And we knew it wouldn't last as part of the NBA season. But hopefully those guys can go tomorrow or today, probably when you're listening to this against the Rockets, um, who will be without Russell Westbrook. Uh, so no John Morant, Russell Westbrook matchup once again. Uh, I think Friday we play Cleveland, the only two games of the week. Slow game for Memphis basketball. We only got them, and then I think we got one game from the Tigers this week. So we might have to do some. I might have to write or something. <laughs> I don't have the excuse of watching games. <laughs> now we'll we'll get you guys a Tigers podcast later this week as well. Uh, again, you can subscribe to the Barnburner Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. This is the Backdoor Cut. I'm Zach. This is Mason, and we'll see you later. <laughs> You're both. <laughs> I'm. Z- this is Mason with me. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Bye. One time for one like me with a squad like this, where the team so strong and flow so cold, ain't nothing but some bad bad in my clique. What's up, Eastside? What's up, Eastside? We in here, we in here. They think they seeing me, but they ain't seen. Girls on the pole, yelling, make me rich. Girls on my shows wanna take.